only defense. She bends her knees slightly and lets her feet sink back into the water. Her toes are cold. The injuries ripe. They melt in the vague warmth and comfort of the bath. She lets herself feel this, every blister weeping, every scar moistening, and she sighs. Now think, she urges herself. Think it away. I know you can. Concentrate. She furrows her brow and frowns, narrowing her huge sunken eyes at the bounding rim of the porcelain tub, as if conjuring out of its whiteness the necessary will that is already so weak. This at least she can control, if only she thinks of it well enough, attentively enough, if she makes herself tall and bending like the pair of priestly elms in the garden. Yes, she thinks, the elms in the garden. Her mind begins to coast, moving in the picture, the mood of the morning through the opened window and the unasserted light out into the garden over the moistening grass, the vaporous earth and the insects hard at work, then up as groundwater in root and trunk and branch and twig, all through the fretwork of elms. She thinks of them swaying softly, outward to the smallest filigree of veins, the harmless air gossiping through their varied separations, making the tender leaves susurrate. Now, she enjoins herself, as them. Think as them. She loosens her grip, rolls her scapulae down flatter against the belly of the tub, closes her bulbous eyes, breathes in once deeply, then sighs slowly, very slowly, eking out the breath. She begins to glide into the vision, just there, on the shushing in her flooded ears. She breathes again, and the exaggeration of the sound fills her, releases her. My branches, she thinks. My branches are wide and firm, yet delicate, intricate, sensitive as flesh, clean and open to the air as two clear ramifying lungs. I am these trees, these elms. She loosens, breathes again, enfolding and dispersing the breath. Breathe. She hears her sister Nessa's tender voice intoning out of the past. Breathe, Virginia, breathe. And she does heaving her breasts high above the waterline and down again. She watches their ringed shorelines advance and recede over the puckered skin. She listens to the breath slowing, deepening. She thinks as the elms, of being the elms, healing the air. She thinks of her sister's hands on her chest, those days so long ago in the sick-room, lightly resting, the fingers faintly exploring, as if reading the braille of her brocaded dress. Distress. She raises her mouth above the water and says this aloud, quietly. Distress, the dress. Then, as if startled by the sound of her own voice, she sits upright with a great sloshing urgency, her buttocks squealing on the porcelain, her knees bucking, legs tensing straight and splashing.
She listens to the S's of the spoken words, hisses they race around the lavatory, and she says them again louder. Distress. The dress. She cocks her head to one side, considers the sounds and meanings of words, the one creating the other, the sound of the thing being the thing, the original thing, blazing through the world in true spirit. Dress. Distress. The sound of it and the light of it as one, the wavelengths travelling in tandem. And yet, she squints disapprovingly, the wretched intellect at work. Always the masculine mind interferes, sucking the magic out of sounds and shutting it into words. The very word for this, the academic word, onomatopoeia, sounds like what it is, a chained sprite falling down the stairs. She laughs.